Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. I'm lucky to have two guests today. Eric Hergert from Hub International of Arkansas and his son, Ryan Hergert, the CEO of Chef Shuttle. First, I'll introduce his father, Eric Herget, who was born in Paragould and attended Catholic High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. Eric has a bachelor's degree in marketing from the University of Arkansas and is a veteran insurance broker. Having worked in the field for over 20 years, in 2011, he led the effort of bringing Hub International, a leading global insurance broker, to the state of Arkansas. And with Eric today is his son, Ryan Herget. Even as a teenager, Ryan has been a hardworking, avid entrepreneur. At the age of 15, he saw his first opportunity when he started a power washing business. Ryan secured a $1,000 loan from his parents, got a hardship driver's license, and bought the necessary equipment from Sears Department Store to begin his small business. He immediately hit the ground running by distributing 2,000 flyers across town and going door-to-door to promote his new power washing business. In the first summer alone, Ryan sold $20,000 at the age of 15, and in the years to come, he quadrupled it. One way was by hauling junk mail for $100 an hour during the winter months. He sold his business for an impressive profit. Next, while attending the University of Mississippi in Oxford, a.k.a. Ole Miss, Ryan, in true entrepreneurial spirit, saw another opportunity. His new concept was simple. Poor college students could opt in to receive local bar and restaurant drink specials via text messages. This business was called The Daily Quench. To keep up with the overwhelming success of his new venture, he partnered with local restaurants to sell his Daily Quench cards. Before returning home to Little Rock, he sold this business. Now at the age of 23, he had started and sold two highly successful businesses. Today, we know Ryan Herget as the founder of Chef Shuttle. It's mission to deliver a variety of products in a timely fashion. Welcome to the table, Eric and Ryan Herget. We appreciate you having us. I'm so glad y'all both came. You know, his his bio was 20 times longer than mine, so he's accomplished (laughs) much more. Than I have. I'm a simple insurance guy. He's done quite a bit more than I have. I know you're a proud father. Yes. Well, out of respect to you, we're going to start with you. And I'm going to ask the age-old question. Is it nature, his genetics, or is it nurture your guidance that has made Ryan so entrepreneurial? You know, um, the fact I told him I wasn't going to give him a whole lot of money in high school kind of forced him to go out and raise his spending money. And then he graduated from college, like mid-May, and I told him, you know, congratulations, you're on your own in two weeks, June 1. So he, uh, yeah, you got to set it out there for him and let him go succeed. And he's done terrific at that for sure. But he's an entrepreneur. I mean, he thinks of stuff that most of us would never, you know, even go down that path. I think that's called tough love, Dad. Yeah, I'm a tough love guy. Oh, look, Ryan's shaking his head. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. So we're going to jump to Ryan. Do all your friends think you're a rock star? When they want jobs, they do. <laughs> I read where you work seven days a week, and since you started Chef Shuttle, have never had a day off work. And you, and the reason you never take a day off is? 
you know, there's a, you've got your traditional small business and then you have your startup. And the difference is a startup, our goal is not to be in business 20, 25, 30 years from now. Our goal is to build a company as fast as possible and then to position ourselves to uh, potentially be acquired. And so we're trying to go from zero to 100 in a five-year time frame. We've got a, you know, a few acquisition targets, whether it be an Amazon or a Google, that would be interested in entering our business. One of my philosophies is if you want to you know, grow as fast as Chef Shuttle and, and our dreams are, that you, you've got to find third parties that you trust in to become the expert for you. Mm-hmm. We, do, we don't have time to become the expert in absolutely everything. And so when it comes to our software, we found a third party we trust to become that expert for us. You've got to have deep pockets to just do what you said. We have investors and we're going through a round of funding right now. You didn't go to a bank to get investing, to get invest. You didn't go traditional banking, did you? No. So let's go back to when you gave him, um, Eric, did you give him $1,000 to start his power washing business? You know, I don't remember that, actually, but he says I did. I did. I read it. It may All be right. a typo. He did. Look. He demanded payment for a while, so I had to pay him back pretty <laughs> fast. So I think that that is that we need a chef shuttle is a big deal. But for listeners that are younger and want to just start a business, you just saw an opportunity. You were 15 years old. What made you think you had what it took to start a business and make it happen? You know, I think being that young, I wasn't mature enough to, you know, to look at it that way of, you know, what's going to go into running this business. It was more out of a desire to not rely on my parents for money. You know, back when we were 14, 15, our parents would drop us off the movie theater and we'd go, you know, to McDonald's before and go to movie theater. And, you know, you'd sit there, your parents give you a $20 bill and, you know, you might not be able to buy the popcorn you want. I thought to myself, there's got to be a better way to do this, you know. I want to earn my own money so I can buy the popcorn I want. That's exactly the reason I did it. I just wanted more than money than my parents would give me. There we go. Yeah. And that was the motivator. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening out there and you want more than you currently have, yet I guess they call that ambition, you think there's an opportunity everywhere for everybody. And there is. It, it, it takes hard work and dedication. How did um, you decide on power washing? The power washing space was a necessity that I saw cut consumers needing about once a year, but it wasn't an area or an industry that had a lot of competition. You know, you see a lot of lawn care companies, but you don't see too many pressure washing companies. And so what I did... Were you pressure washing around your house and thought about it? Is that how you came about it? No, I actually had never pressure washed before. I just saw that, you know, going through my neighborhood, everybody's fence was gray and everybody's driveway was black. And doing some research, how you solve that problem is through pressure washing. And obviously, nobody was hiring pressure washing companies or else people's driveways wouldn't have been black and their fences wouldn't have been gray. And so I started a pressure washing company. And one of the things that I took advantage of was I took advantage of my age and I took advantage of I was at Catholic High at the time. And so on the flyers, I made sure to put, you know, I'm 15, 16 years old, you know, Catholic High. And people want to help somebody that's trying, you know, at a young age to make it on their own. And I wasn't technically on my own yet, but they, somebody was trying to start their own business. And I, I took advantage of that. And so that really helped me because people would get these flyers and say, I'm going to choose this kid over a professional service 
because I want to help you. Because he's working working hard. But I'm surprised you knew that young. I didn't know that till I got older and looked back and thought all the breaks I got was because they were like, well, look at this young whippersnapper selling door to door. I'm going to help her out. Isn't she trying hard? But I didn't know that at the time. I felt inadequate and embarrassed at my youth. You didn't feel that way. You know, when you're in college or high school, I don't necessarily know if your youth holds you back. Once you get out of college and me being the CEO of a company going through fundraising, you know, my youth, people say he's 26. He's trying to raise X amount of money. You know, this is a young guy. He's got to prove himself. But being in high school or college, though, I think it's more to your benefit than your detriment. I think you are absolutely right. And I think that was very insightful for you to recognize that so early on. Yes, I I do remember the loan. (laughs) And I looked at my calendar. (laughs) It's a couple thousand dollars. It was not a thousand. Oh, Mm. we got to edit it. Look, is that right, Ryan? There's been a lot happened since then. (laughs) I know all that loan went on to make quite a bit of money. So it was definitely worth it. It was was very worth it. He did not uh, in high school. And through college, he didn't ask me for any money. So, yeah, we helped him with the necessities, a car and a place to live. But spending money, I never gave him a nickel. So he, you didn't give him enough. Yeah, exactly. So he wanted more. Exactly. You know, by my senior year, you know, pressure washing, we were only open, you know, three months out of the year during the summers. We were mm-hmm. open June, July and a little bit of August. By my senior year, I think I had, you know, like $80,000 at, at 17 years old. Working what? three months. And what am I providing say? a car? Yeah. It, uh, Did you say $80,000? Yeah, that business, it, it, it grew. It, it grew, and there was no overhead. So you hired your friends? I hired some friends. I hired uh, my brother. I hired anybody who could who could help work. And, and that's did, you when pay, the, did you pay contract labor? Uh, yes. Or did you hold out taxes? No, we were, we were paying independent contractors. Okay, that's good. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? You hired your brother? Yeah, and... I think you have two brothers. Do you have both of them? No, my younger brother doesn't want to get his hands dirty. My oh. Connor, but no, Connor's the baby. Connor's uh, Connor has his own passions. You know, he's a pilot. Where my younger brother is more business school oriented. Cole, and so Cole's the one who helped me because he he eventually took it over uh, once I went to college because I moved on to my next company and he took it over. But then once he was about to go into college, we ended up selling it. Because just the time that needed to be committed during those three months, you know, and I was focused on another project and and it was kind of getting too much for him. So we ended up selling the company. What was the name of that company? Uh, Premier Power Washing. So you left when you went to college. Mm -hmm. You sold it. You sold it. And is it still going on? Uh, Yes. So anybody out there that's listening, that's wanting to make some money that's young, which is when I really started. I was 15 when I started going. I really don't like same thing. I really would like to have more money than my parents are going to give me. And this is a great way anybody can start like this. That Go buy a power washer at Sears and start knocking on doors. Did you make your flyer? And we're going to move on to the Daily Quench because I want to show a pattern in Ryan's entrepreneurial spirit that I think people can learn and grow from. But when you made up your flyer, did you just do it on Word? Just did it on Word, took it off the depot. how simple it is. And who, and did you go around and put it up on corners? On yep. like, on so corner? the key to the flyers I found was I never printed anything on white paper. I always printed it on the brightest yellow highlight color paper I could find so it would stick out. And originally what I would do is I would go around and put 
through mailboxes. And obviously, I got in a little bit of trouble doing That's that. That's right. For people who don't know, you can't use the U.S. Mail Postal Service mailboxes to put flyers in. It's a federal crime. But they, they called him. He remembers. Yeah, they did. Well, the, the gentleman who called me said, you can't do this, but we just rolled out a creative solution that I think you'll benefit from. And he introduced what the uh, post office has a program called EDDM or Every Door Direct Mail. And what you do for, I think it's 15 cents a flyer, you know, you say, I want this mailman or mailwoman delivers this route. I want her to drop these flyers on every house on a route. They'll do that. And they'll do that. And so right when they came out with it, that's now how I started distributing my flyers is because this mailman has 800 houses he's going to, you give him 800 flyers. And so you pay discounted postage of 15 cents because he's just putting it in every single mailbox. Who did you call? With the, the local you, post? You can go. They've actually got a whole website now on the post office. You can just type in, you know, U.S. Postal Service, Every Door Direct Mail. Every Door Direct Mail. And they have a tool now. We've used it some for Chef Shuttle where you put in a zip code and it'll show you all of the individual routes that are in that zip code for the mail and you select what routes you want your flyers to go to. Is this to. how you advertise for Chef Shuttle? It's it's one of the ways. One but of we the do, ways. we do a lot. We do a lot more. When we open up when we open a market, we'll utilize every door direct mail to really get the name the name out there. It's a, it's the best way to blanket an area. I've never um, heard of it. But yeah, every door direct mail it, it, it's a great tool and I think it was a great compromise for the post office. It was hard for them to get mad at a you know, 15, 16, 17 year old. So once again, using your youth to yeah, your advantage, the innocence of it, you the know, innocence of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my dad told me this was okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, like uh, your it's dad's hard. going to jail. <laughs> Better him than me. No, I, <laughs> wouldn't that been something though? Yeah. So let's move on to Eric. I'm sorry. I'm neglecting you. Oh, no, I'm enjoying rehashing all this. I know, you're grinning from ear to ear. You're having a good time. Yeah. Let's move on to Daily Quench. Quench. I want to to show there's this pattern in the way. I mean, you're even at Chef Shuttle using some of the stuff you learned at the power washing business. So at Premier Power Washing, is that what it was? Yes. And now we've moved to Daily Quench. One of the problems I see a lot of entrepreneurs do is they name their businesses so abstract that nobody can tell what they are. All three of your business names are descriptive. Yes. So you go, oh, Daily Quench. I get it. You want to know the daily drinking holes. I understand that. So talk about how you saw the opportunity for the Daily Quench and how it came about. With Daily Quench was when I was a junior in college at Ole Miss. And oh, so it wasn't right off the bat. Wasn't when you first got to Ole Miss. I had taken a, an internship at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney. I had taken an internship in New York at a company called Marshall McLennan and an had, internship for doing what insurance like your dad. Back one of them insurance. was, one of them I was because like I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point. You know, I knew I had something great with premier power washing and it was making, you know, oodles and oodles of money for us, but I was trying to figure out what do I want to do. And so I was trying to get, you know, as much experience as I can. And what I noticed was, you know, at Ole Miss, we're known for a, a party school. Really? And, I didn't uh, know that. <laughs> and I, I saw that, you know, I could, bring traffic to certain bars if they offered me or my customers an exclusive special. So I went to these bars and I said, if you, if your Bud Light, let's say is $3 a bottle, if you will sell it to my customers for $1.50 a bottle for only daily quench customers, I will then notify all of my customers about this special and I'll bring everybody to you instead of, you know, if there's 15 bars 
in Oxford, instead of them being dispersed among the 15, give my customers a special. So you target marketed to your really niche market through text messaging, right? Yes. So instead of going and advertising in the paper today, we've got Bud Light for $1.50, some broad, expensive advertising, which is very expensive to do that sort of advertising. They could pay you a much smaller amount. Yeah. And with college students, it's hard to reach college students. Because they don't read the paper. They don't read the paper. They're typically... They don't watch TV. Yeah. You can't really... Email marketing is ineffective because they're not using their personal email. They're using their school email that they're required to use. And Which you're is not, blocked. Exactly. And so... I never thought about all that. It's... But the college student is the most valuable customer to a company because that is when preferences and opinions are formed in college. And so in college, if you're a Bud Light drinker in college, you're going to be a Bud Light drinker for the rest of your life. But really? you can go from one drink and then start preferring another drink in college. And now you're out of college and that's the second drink's the one you're going to prefer. And so being able to grab these customers at a young age and mold their opinions and then be able to profit for the rest of their life off of them. I wanted my goal with Daily Quench was to collect this data that I could you know, eventually have this database on the most valuable type of customer out there. And so what our plan was originally is well originally you were losing money yeah because what i did was because you just wanted to collect the data and then you were like i read you were losing two hundred dollars so a day here's so i read my original business model was the re, the restaurant seven or eight restaurants and bars were going to pay me a thousand dollars a month and i was going to drive business to them so i created a text messaging service where i think you text rebels to nine zero nine 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 and every day at 5 p.m i would send a text message out and let you know hey this bar is doing half off well drinks or whatever well, I told three people at first, you know, hey, text Rebels to 90999. Within five days, I had over 6,000 people what? in this service. And it just kept blowing up. Well, when you use a text message, you can't just send a text message from your iPhone to 6,000 people. You have to use a special text message platform. And it costs you, you know, one cent or two cents per person you're sending that text message to. And so, what platform did you use? I can't remember oh, the. Okay. I can't remember now. So the the service it was charging me, and it was costing it's like a so much. E-blast has a service, yeah, but it's a text message service. And so, if I'm bringing in eight thousand a month in revenue from these bars, and, I, and it's costing me, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars a day to send the text message out, Do I'm in the hole. On that, yeah, I can't even. I mean, four hundred dollars a day times you know thirty days. That's twelve thousand dollars. Because your because your text messaging your so many people was getting to be so many people and mm-hmm. they were charging you a penny a person or whatever yep. they do it how they do it and so I knew I had a great idea but a month into it it was this thing's going to go upside down pretty fast and I was sitting around with one of my buddies one evening and it was to his credit it was his idea and he said what if you still use the text message because before to get that special at the bar all you had to do was just show your phone and show this text message okay. They said, still send the text message, but instead of showing just the text message, flip your revenue model, make it free to the restaurants and bars, and have customers pay $25 for a Daily Quench card. And so oh. now they show a card to get the special, and you can make your money from the card. Is the card just a one-time fee, $25? $25 for uh, One-time six fee. months. And you had, oh, for six months. Mm-hmm. And you had 6,000 customers. Yeah, so what happened was we sent a couple texts out, said, as of this date, text message will no longer work. You got to buy daily quench cards. And I partnered with one of my bars. I bought a printer offline, a card printer where I could print these cards offline. It was 
three or four thousand dollar printer. I didn't know you could do that. I said I told a bar owner, I said, if you'll pay me a thousand dollars plus give me and a couple of my my buddies a free bar tab for the night from <laughs> eight PM eight PM until midnight, we will stay up here selling daily quench cards. And this will be the first place that daily quench cards are sold. And so I think a lot of people come and buy them. Oh, I bet you were I, so we sent a text message out and I showed up at about 730 and there was a line almost around the block and we were nonstop. We didn't leave that bar until 1, 2 a.m. and we were selling the entire time. And on the first night, and most of our transactions were cash, you know, $25, a 20 and a $5 bill. Most, uh, most everybody was just paying cash. As we were packing up, I looked around and I'm like, I've got twenty five, thirty thousand dollars on cash oh on me from this one night. Gosh, this guy is just a money machine. <laughs> and was scary because I was, you know, I was like, I'm getting robbed. It's who's not going to rob me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm walking out with all this money on me. Everybody's seeing me with this money. So what'd and, you do with it all? Um, put it in the ba- in, in the uh, safe in the restaurant. I called a bunch of fraternity brothers, and they helped get me out of the out of the bar. And I I went back to my house and I sat in my bedroom all night. Just With a looking, gun on your lap. Just looking at the door like, at any point, somebody's coming in. He's paranoid. But no, and, and it turned out to be a um. And then the next week success. you went to another bar and then another bar. And so you just moved around from bar to bar till you ended up with how many bars that were selling daily quench cards? Yeah, we, we moved around from bar to bar selling them. And then what we eventually started doing was pre-printing daily quench cards and giving them to the bar so and the bar could, could sell, sell themselves. And then they get to kick back the bar? Yeah, they got, I think, $5. And then we started going to these fraternity and sorority presidents and giving them $5 a card to be able to promote them to their members. And then, you know, six months later, we decided to open uh, Starkville, Mississippi, which is Mississippi State. And so what we did is six days a week, every day except Sunday, I would drive at 5 p.m. I would leave. I wouldn't come back till midnight, but six days a week for almost a year, I would go down to Starkville, and which is two and a half, you know, hour and a half, two hours south of Ole Miss, where Mississippi State right. is. And I started selling in Starkville as well. And we had a really good reception from Starkville, similar to what we had in Ole Miss. And after I graduated, I had an investor approach me and say, let's blow this up to, you know, multiple cities. Because we found the key to it was going into a new markets, getting these fraternities and sororities on board. Mm-hmm. You know, if 30, 40% of a population are a member of fraternity sorority, it's an easy way to yeah. to hit pretty fast. So with this new investor on board, we hired quite a few people, and we expanded from two colleges to 10, 15 across you know, seven, eight states. Have- Fayetteville, we had it in Fayetteville. We had it in Texas A&M. We had it in Georgia. We had it at University of Memphis. We had it, we had it everywhere. Is it still going? It actually is wound down a little bit. After I left, I left the company and, um, and decided to go do Chef Shuttle. And it wound down a little bit. You know, it needed a lot of hustle behind it. And I think I was kind of the heart and soul of it. And it's hard to it's hard to separate a company from the owner. It is. And if you don't prepare for that transition, you'll run into trouble. And I don't think we did a good enough job preparing for that transition. And all of these people I'd hired, they were loyal to me. When I leave all these campus reps, if you don't prepare the correct way, you know, it'll wind up in disaster. All right, let's take a break now. This episode of Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy is very unique. A father and son team of entrepreneurs. Eric Herget of Hub International and the Heights Corner Market. And his son, Ryan, formerly of Chef Shuttle and now CEO of Sniffle Health. It's bunting season. Stuck inside with nothing to do? 
Transform your home from drab to fab by adding bunting, a flagpole, and garden banners. Let's celebrate the patriotic season safely together. TheFlagandBanner.com, your patriotic display experts. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30, and Saturday, 10 to 4. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Kerry McCoy. I'm going to talk to you, Eric. I'm ready. <laughs> Actually, he's Ryan's story is uh, pretty amazing. Oh, know, everything he's put together. and You're so proud. I can see you glowing the, over there. I, I've told people this story with, with my father in the room and with, without my father in the room. But if it wasn't for him, you know, I wouldn't have done this. How you know, because if he would have given me everything I asked for and everything I wanted, I would have never had a need or desire to try to get what I wanted if he provided it for me. And when he took the approach of, I'm going to provide you the essentials, you're not going to starve. You're not going to go without, a, you know, without roof over your head. You're going to have a good life, but you're not going to be the, you know, a spoiled kid. You're not driving the brand new car. You're driving a very old car. It's your first car. You're not getting $100 a month. You're not getting my credit card. You're getting $20 a weekend. And by him being disciplined, I had two choices. Either I figure out how to budget the money or I figure out how to earn more. And that's what I did. I figured out how to earn more. And if it wasn't for that decision, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. And I think the second thing mm-hmm. is he would always preach, do the right thing. Um, no matter the situation, it was do the right thing. And, and doing the right thing is not always the easiest thing to do. Doing the right thing is very often the harder of two choices. And he had always preached, do the right thing. And, and I think that is one of the primary reasons for the success that you know I've had is I've always tried to do the right thing. And it, it sometimes it was unpopular at... Sometimes it cost us money. Sometimes my employees didn't agree with it. Sometimes my investors didn't agree with it. But by doing the right thing, you always come out ahead. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I've trusted in that because he instilled that value in me. And, uh, and, I, and I thank him for that because uh, it's a big reason for, for everything we've done so far. Yeah, I, I told all the kids that you know, your reputation is all you got at the end of the day. You know, and if you squander that in any way, everyone around is going to remember it. 40 years from now, they'll they still will. be talking about what you did. To, did your father instill that in you, Eric? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. Dad worked hard while he was in the insurance business. And uh, you bet it was fun for my brother and me to both watch him and, and how he did things. So you brought Hub International to Arkansas. Tell everybody what Hub International is. Hub is the largest privately held commercial insurance brokerage in the country. So we have offices in 330 cities and 8,000 of us, and we're very, very good risk managers. So, you know, by far the largest broker in Arkansas, with the exception of one, but they don't do uh, all the lines that we do here in You're Arkansas. talking about Blue Cross Blue Shield? No, commercial property casualty. Oh. Uh, now, we do have benefits and all that, but but I'm primarily a property and casualty guy. So, but, but we started in uh-huh. 2011. I started an insurance right. agency, and in 2015, we sold that to Hub International. Oh, I see. So you're an entrepreneur that started your own agency. What was it called? It was the Holmes Organization of Arkansas, but my partners were out of Tulsa, uh, the Holmes Organization there. And so, yeah, we started, you know, ground up scratch, opened a new operation here, and it was a lot of fun. When did you start that one? Uh, January of 11. And then Hub came in and 
and purchased homes uh, May 1 of 15. So they, you know, they liked what they saw, obviously. Um, this is genetic. Maybe. Build a business and sell it. I have never done that. Both of y'all have done it. I do have two Ryan stories. Okay, come on. Uh, one of them is he was, he had taken an eight to five job out of Ole Miss uh, with a competitor of mine. And, what? In, in New York City. And we were on the plane to New York to move him up there. And we were taking off. And he said, Dad, I've already quit my job. And I, you know, I, we're taking off. And I You said, mean the job that he was going to New York City yes. for? You're on the plane moving him up there and thinking he's going to a new job. And he tells you, I've already I've quit. I've already quit. Job. He said, I You're can't like, well, do what it. are we doing on this plane? That's exactly what I said. And I, and <laughs> I had quit it three months earlier, but I was afraid to tell him. What? And so you let him pack everything up and move y'all up there. Oh, oh yeah. He had a lease for a year. Yeah, I signed yeah. a lease. <laughs> oh, so, okay. What happened when, so you went there in silence, I guess, on the airplane ride? Uh, you know, I understood it. I mean, I knew that. You know, it's not in my genes either to do the the eight to five sit at a desk thing. And so he he wanted to go start this new company. And that's what he did. And my other story is he had a little legal issue sometime in college. Nothing major. And uh, besides he, putting uh, mailers in. Yeah, he, he called me and he said, said Dad, I've, I've got a problem. And this is what's happened. And, I, you know, I was like, son, you know, all right. And he said, but don't worry about a thing, Dad. My lawyer's already got it taken care of. And, and I what? said, I said, your lawyer? And he said, yes, I've already hired a lawyer and it's taken care of. Was so. it a friend of yours? No, it's a good lawyer. May have uh, had a little drink or so underage. Oh, Ole Miss. I figured that's what it was. Yeah, yeah I thought it was legal in Ole Miss. But, but you know, so I said, well, <laughs> if you're handling it, I said, if you're handling it, then then it's your issue. And let's move on to the next step. Well, that's a can-do kind of spirit that every entrepreneur has. I mean, they just call up. They've already got the problem. They tell you what it is. They've already got a solution. But I got to hear when you got to New York and you didn't have a job, what was the first thing you did? Because that was my very next question. You graduated from college, moved to New York to follow your father's footsteps of selling insurance. And boom, I'm guessing you saw an opportunity and the wheels in your brain started to turn. What was it you saw and how did you act on this hunch? That was after Daily Quench went through the investment. And so I was still working for running Daily Quench. Now I was just having to fly out of New York every Monday and come back on Friday. You were flying um, to Mississippi? I was flying to the South. And, and the reason I'll say uh, that it took me so long to tell my father is, and I think this has a bigger meaning. First, insurance in my family is what we do. My grandfather, my father... I think most people who have been in Little Rock for quite a while will tell you in the commercial space that, you know, Dick Herget and Eric Herget are two of the best, if not the best, commercial insurance brokers in the state. And that's my degree was in insurance um, at college. And I thought that I was going to follow in his footsteps until this entrepreneurial bug got, in, got into me. And so when I knew I wasn't going to take this job in New York, um, I had trouble telling him because 99% of the population has always looked at their career as I graduate college and I'm going to work for 40 years or for 50 years and I'm going to save up until I become 65 or 70 and I'm going to retire and I'm going to yep. live out yep. the last 10, 20 years of my life with the retirement. Right. And, you know, for over half of my life, I'm going to spend only two out of seven days enjoying my life so that the last 15 years of my life, I can spend seven out of seven days. He's a numbers guy all the way, isn't he? <laughs> well, and I think with, with the younger generation that I'm included in, 
some of us have a different thought. And my, my thought is what I'm going to do is I'm going to work 110 hours a week. And that's what I work. I work 100, 110 hours a week. And I'm going to try to make enough money to where I have the ability to retire by the time I'm 30. What? And it's going to take a lot of work. And it's going to take a lot of great people. And it's going to take a lot of luck. And it's going to take a lot of breaks. But that's what we're doing right now. And it's hard for somebody to comprehend, what do you mean this is, this is what you're going to do? This is not the norm. This is not what you're taught. This is not what everybody else does. What do you mean you don't have a 401k? What do you mean you're not putting a little bit into retirement? And it's because I want to invest any money I make into startups. And what I'm going to do is if I don't have enough money to where I can retire by the time I'm 30, I figure I still have 30, 40 years in the workforce to catch up with everybody else. Exactly. And so this startup life cycle that I'm in right now is let's do this until um, let's see what happens. And I think right now with Chef Shuttle, people would be surprised with our revenue numbers. We're doing several, several millions of dollars a quarter. Um, when did it start? When did you start it? 2014. From when you had the idea in New York City to when you got it off the ground, how long did it take to, to come fruition? Three months. That's pretty darn fast. So you're you're sitting in New York City, and you and how does the idea come to you? You didn't go up there with this idea, no, but you got this idea when you were in New York, didn't you? Yes, you're uh, you're getting food delivered every day to you. Um, you while you're in New York, while you're in New York, it's a lot easier. Most of the restaurants offer delivery because all you have to do is put somebody on a bicycle, and they can hit you know quite a big part of the city. And I looked at the South in particular, and looked at my hometown of Little Rock, and I said there isn't a service that can offer convenience to customers. And that's when I decided I'm going to come back and I'm going to start Chef Shuttle. And so we started February 3rd, 2014 on my living room couch with seven restaurants, a couple drivers and, you know, chaos. And <laughs> the first... I love that chaos yeah, though. In the first eight weeks, we did what we thought we were going to do in revenue for the entire year of 2014. Really? Every one of your jobs has been like that. Every one of your ideas has blown up instantly. It's luck. I mean, a lot of it's luck, but... I think it's intuitive it's hard opportunities, um, too. But with Chef Shuttle, with rapid growth, you know, comes in need for cash. What was the first thing you sold when you were doing Chef Shuttle? You went to the restaurants first? How did you get it off the oh, ground yeah. in three um, months? So I went to the restaurants. First to sell them. So would you like for me to deliver your products because you don't have anybody to deliver your products? Mm -hmm. And they said yes. Yes. And it wasn't a hard sale? No, we're bringing them incremental business. They wouldn't have gotten. You know, if a customer wants to go eat out, Chef Shuttle stance and view is then go. But go to one of our partner restaurants if you want to go eat out. However, if you want to stay in, instead of cooking... Or instead of ordering from Fast any food. restaurant, US pizza. order from one of our partner restaurants. And so for the restaurant, you know, our business is based upon them. And so we try to push them as much business as possible. And in turn, they'll let us deliver the product because 95% of a restaurant's customers are going to fall within a five-mile radius. With Chef Shuttle, we can expand that radius to 10 or 15 miles. And so now a restaurant has the ability to serve customers. 15 miles? In, in some cases. And how did you get 
consumers to know about your website to go there. So you've gone to the restaurants, you've told them about this service. Now you've got to get consumers to know about it. So the restaurants are telling their consumers or how? Yeah, a lot of it is a partnership with the restaurant. But for a while... You did um, the flyers? We did flyers. That would be a great one to do regional. To we do did that. restaurants and then we did yard signs. And people driving past yard signs every single day. Three really unpredictable ways. You went to the restaurants. Mm-hmm. Did you give them something to put on the counter? Yes. That, and okay. the door. And yeah. the door. And you trained all their employees to say, we can deliver? Uh, we would rely on the tip with the restaurant owner, general manager to do so. But yeah. it's a partnership in every sense of the words. Did they that, would. Does the restaurant get a kickback or are they just get increased sales? We take a commission from the restaurant off everything we sell for them. Okay. It's how we make our money with Chef Shuttle. So the person that's ordering the food on what on your website does not pay anything extra for the delivery or do they have a delivery price? We use the same menu and same price as you find in the restaurant. You only pay a delivery fee. The tip is optional. So while most customers add the tip. Does that go to the driver? Or to it goes the 100% to the driver. Okay. So our pricing model is same menu, same prices as the restaurant. We make our money because the restaurant's going to pay us a commission off everything we sell. We process everything through our website. So when you check out and put your items in your cart, you know you're paying the same menu prices. There's a delivery fee added. The tip's optional. We do encourage it, though, because that's how our drivers make the money. It goes 100% to our drivers. Is it hard? So, so, you, so you went to the restaurants, got them to buy in. I think you probably did that yourself, right? Yes. And then you took advantage of the postal service. What did you call that? Were they Every door direct mail. Every door direct mail, which I think is wonderful. And then you did yard signs. Where would you do yard signs? In front of the restaurants. In front of the restaurants. And um, our big thing with Chef Shuttle is if you look at most of the advertising we do, we include our restaurant logos in there. Because Chef Shuttle, as a standalone brand, you know, what does Chef Shuttle do? Are they chefs? Are they pickup? Are they delivery? Are they an ordering process site? What is Chef Shuttle? But when you associate Chef Shuttle with our restaurant partners, then it becomes clear. Restaurant delivery. And here are the restaurants I can get my product delivered from. So we really try to use co-branding strategy with our restaurants and with ourselves in order to really drive home our message that Chef Shuttle is restaurant delivery. That's Ryan Hergett formerly of Chef Shuttle, explaining the philosophy behind his amazingly successful idea. He's now the CEO at Sniffle Health. After the break, Kerry talks to his father, Eric Herget, about the addition of running the Heights Corner Market, formerly Terry's Finer Foods, to his already busy professional life in insurance. We're back in a minute on Up In Your Business with Kerry McCoy. Are you video conferencing at home? Flagandbanner.com has a home office backdrop for you. Choose between Industrial Chic, Cozy Den, or The Bookworm. All in stock. Order online at theflagandbanner.com. Or come by the showroom. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30, and Saturday, 10 to 4. Today, we have Mr. Eric Herget, an insurance aficionado. I had to look that word up. I love that word. Not Who, not very long ago, made a big career change. He sold his insurance brokerage business to Hub International. Hub International and purchased Terry's Finer Foods, a specialty grocery store in an upscale neighborhood in Little Rock, Arkansas. He promptly changed the name of this store to the Heights Corner Market. Your father was an insurance man. You're at it you still are an insurance man. Correct. And now you own a small grocery store with perishables. 
I can't think of a harder thing to do than that, except for maybe flowers that are also perishable. And you got to live. We got flowers too. So. Oh yeah, you do. That's true. We do have flowers. Okay, tell us how all that came to be. You know, when I met my wife about twenty years ago, we were. on our first date, blind date, we were driving by the old Terry's Finer Foods. I looked over at her and said, if that ever becomes available, that I want that store. And, and it was between, you know, and I told her it'd be Craftco or Terry's Finer Foods, if either one of them came available. So it was first date, and then lo and behold, we were on vacation in Florida, early 2017. I get a phone call that the opportunity may be there. I left her in Key West. She said, I'm staying here. You go do what you gotta do. And I flew home and and uh, started working on the deal, and we had it put together by March first of 2017. What a great story! Well, has it worked out? We have, yes, and you know, all in all, I'd say it's gone very, very well. You know, we've made little mistakes, we've not made any big mistakes, and so that's been very helpful. But you know, it's it's six a.m. to midnight most days. Um, you know, I do still do insurance all day. Uh, Hub International is the largest private broker in the in the country, so we work on large deals all over the place. Uh, so I have those customers, those prospects I have to deal with, and then my wife runs the day to day of the store. Uh, and then, but about five o'clock, if I'm in town and not at another meeting, then I head to the store till we close up that night. And it's fun, you know, at, at dinner in the green room. It's fun to go talk to folks and see who's sitting there and. They have so many choices for restaurants in this town and they're great local spots to go that uh, it really means a lot when you see them sitting in your place. Let's talk about each one of these. So you first went in and bought uh, Terry's Finer Food and it's a labor of love. I feel like almost all small businesses are labor of love. And you bought and you went in there. What was the first thing you did? You know, when we, you know, I'd shopped there for 40 years. I charged on my parents' charge account forever. Whenever they'd go to the lake, we'd eat the best steaks you've ever had. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but, you know, day one was just to to uh, go in and, and clean and freshen the place up and paint and move some things around and buy new equipment. Uh, I still have a picture of Luann on the the uh, produce case way up in the air up there with a dry vac, you know, cleaning up there. So we... Uh, we just and kind of, your wife. Yes. And we just reset the whole store. Um, we tried to bring in, we not tried, we did bring in um, organic, non-GMO, all these terms a year mm-hmm. today. And, and, you know, people like that, but we've learned that, you know, our old customers, uh, the old Terry's customers, they just want, you know, the old groceries they used to have. So we've kind of had to go back and blend that back in. They want the garlic cheese roll. Exactly. To make garlic cheese grits. Exactly. Because you can't find that garlic cheese roll anywhere. And if you're from Little Rock, Arkansas, you know what I'm talking about. That's right. So, you know, our produce, we buy as much local as we can, as fresh as we can. You know, this time of year, your options are kind of limited. Um, but, you know, our suppliers for that are excellent, best in the business. You know, and then we're getting into prepared foods where we're doing a lot of cooking all day and soups and chicken spaghettis and and those kinds of things, ribs. Nathan's doing some great ribs up there. Um, and then, you know, you come around to the deli case and then the, the seafood case. Seafood comes in uh, every other day, so it's very fresh. And then our meat case is the best in the state. Um, I know there's some good meat cutters out there and they might not like that comment, but so I'll say it's best in town. But, uh, you know, from prime meats to Wagyu meats to, you know, duck and quail and rabbit. And Have you changed any of your vendors? 
Uh, a few, a few, but you know, Terry's had, had good suppliers as well. So, you know, when the old affiliated foods went out of business, yes. that hurt the small grocer in the state. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's where you went to, to get, you know, a can of green beans. And, and uh, so we've had to, you know, find new vendors for that and get a little more creative for that. Mm -hmm. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Mr. Eric Hergett, owner of Heights Corner Market, formerly Terry's Finer Food in the Upscale Heights neighborhood in Little Rock, Arkansas. We'll talk about the challenges facing small grocery stores today, what Eric's plans are for the future, and find out what his son Ryan is up to now. We'll be back after the break. Here's a word from FlagandBanner.com. On the 4th of July, patriotic American flag bunting really takes center stage at homes and businesses all across the city, all across the country for that matter. But bunting is used everywhere to create high visibility backdrops and FlagandBanner.com carries patriotic bunting featuring the flags of every country, as well as for other uses, morning bunting. Holiday bunting, solid color bunting for weddings and other events. If you go to flagandbatter.com, it's just like shopping in the store. You can see all the various categories of bunting. Think about it for this patriotic season. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Eric Hargett, owner of Heights Corner Market, formerly Terry's Finer Food in Little Rock, Arkansas. And now we're here to talk about how hard that business is. The profit margin on a business that has a cost of goods is a lot different than a service business or, um, I don't know, any type of business that doesn't actually have a product that you buy and then you turn around and you sell it. That cost of goods eats into your profit like nothing else. And the consumers today want everything cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. You're lucky. That's not your customer. No, I mean, we are a, you know, Luann may cringe if she's listening to this, but, you know, we are a convenience store. That's exactly right. Um, you know, we are going to be higher than our competitors, you know, than the box stores. Um, I can't I can't get the quantity deals they get, but. And a quality store. Oh, yeah. I put our quality against anybody for you. Mm -hmm. uh, Y'all still deliver? We will deliver. We'll deliver. It's We don't get a lot of requests for it, but, you know, bottom line, if, you know, Little Miss Smith says, you know, I'm not feeling well, and, you know, we'll get her some chicken soup over there. You know, we'll take care of her. Mm -hmm. I've actually had to do that before. Yeah, we, that neighborhood, we've got a lot of friends up there, and uh, there's some older folks up there that still shop with us quite a bit, and we take care of them. If anybody needs anything, we'll do it. What would you say is the hardest thing about the grocery business? And oh. do you, did you have to do a lot of technology upgrades when you bought it? Inventory is, is definitely tough. And for the reason that, you know, we do not have a back stock area. So we're really, what you see is what you're getting. Uh, we don't have anything in a back room somewhere to resupply if, if the last box of, you know, J&M chocolate chip sells. So, you know, that, that's a challenge. We're constantly bringing things in. So it's real time that the food on our shelves hadn't been there long because it turns and we, you know, we're not pulling out of somewhere else. Do you use an inventory to control it? You look at your inventory every day and restock based off of a we, printout? We just installed a new system that even on my phone, I can look and see what's sold today, uh, what hasn't sold today. If it's, we kind of have a new rule. If it's been there for 30 days and it hasn't moved, then that's, you know, we want to be the store that has that thing that everybody's looking for. 
but no one else has. And they always think of us, well, they were probably the ones that will have it. So mm -hmm. we like to, to be that guy, but you know, you can't have inventory sit there all year either mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's sitting there tied up. So you've got that game of the things that are selling, you definitely want those on the shelf. If it's sitting too long, then that's your money, that's your capital, mm -hmm. that's your money to go buy new stuff mm -hmm. sitting right there. I always have a problem keeping, figuring out what my average turnover is. See, I can, I can pretty much compute it live right now um, with our new system. So we're, we're still learning it and its capabilities. It's a cloud-based system. Uh, the, the old system we have is you know servers and towers and, and uh, could collapse at any time. So mm -hmm. it was time to move on to mm -hmm. a new deal. Uh, do you advertise? We do. Where? Uh, I've never seen your advertisements. <clears throat> There's a couple of magazines that we advertise. You know, obviously any business today um, is social media. You know, yeah. you have to be, you know. Who do you think your clients are? I know it's the people in the neighborhood. They're coming by for convenience. They're coming by for quality. Do you try to go outside of that area or do you just try to focus on just your neighborhood right there? And if you were going to go outside that area, what would be your advertising? What would be your niche? But the same thing I just said, quality, convenience. Yeah, you know, the first thing we wanted to do was keep the old Terry's customer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the base of the store. And I think we've pretty well done that now. Um, so, you know, that's, and then hence, it's, that's why we talked about going to organic and other things was to try to get to the younger crowd that really cares more about what they are eating and drinking. And If you can't make a go of it, who can uh, I would say nobody can put more hours in and survive than we are right now. So I challenge, challenge anybody to keep the, if, the hours we are. If, if you can't do it, then is it just got to go to Whole Foods? I mean, Amazon bought Whole Foods. I would say that's your biggest competitor. Um, is it just going to be all the mom and pop grocery stores are absolutely just going to be gone? They're closing. Because yours is no how doubt. old? Yours, Terry's Finer Food is 40 years old or how old? Older, probably 70 something years old. Nobody could really get me the date. But, uh, you know, Mr. Terry, then the Wellens, then the Goldens, and now us. I think employees are the biggest challenge of all small businesses. Oh, without a doubt. Personalities. We have got personalities in our store, but I mean that in a good way. Mm -hmm. And I think it all meshes together very well. And I'm, I'm probably the quirkiest of all of them. Oh, I don't know about that, Eric. You're pretty down to earth. Uh, they'd tell you otherwise. Uh, so, so thanks again, Eric, for coming in. Oh, I've enjoyed it. I love kind of hamming it up like this. So mm -hmm. it's fun to me. Thank you. And last to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. If you think this program has about been about you, you are right, but it's also been for us. Thank you for letting us fulfill our destiny. Our hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. If you miss any part of this show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to flagandbanner.com and click on Radio Show or subscribe to her weekly podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is to help you live the American dream.